Let's begin. We're continuing our study of the Gospel of John today, and we're making use of Lifeway Publishing's Explore the Bible materials for their what they call Session 4. All right. And our focal scriptures for this morning will be John 14, verses 16 through 29, with the title of God Has Given Us dot 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 all right all right god has given us dot 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 so i invite you to turn that reference in your bibles john 14 uh, verses 16 through 29 and as you are doing that answer this what does it mean to be united what does it mean to be united And I'm waiting. If you're listening to this as we recorded it, the teacher is waiting for responses all right, from, from the group. What does it mean to be united? To be all together. To be all together, all right. Of one mind. Of one mind. In agreement. Uh, in agreement. Uh, together in... Uh, Perhaps in character, together in purpose, uh, you know, perhaps it's, it's, it's sort of like two becoming one in marriage, uh, united, in other words, becoming we, uh, but still two individuals. I think of the word in sync. In sync, all right. Yes, mesh, all right. Good, that's a good term, in sync, all right. And so let's keep, we'll keep that in mind as we walk through uh, this text today. All right, now the setting for this passage of scripture is crucifixion Eve, all right. Uh, we're within 24 hours now of Jesus uh, within 24 hours, Jesus would be arrested, falsely tried, crucified, and laid dead in a tomb. So his actions and his words uh, at this time, therefore, would be laden with meaning for his disciples. Words of command, words of assurance, words of comfort, words of promise. Now, we, we closed out our study uh, time last week with John 14, verse 6, which is a very familiar uh, passage. I, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And speaking of God the Father, Jesus said to these disciples, uh, if you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you, know, you do know him and have seen him. And in his bewilderment then, verse 8 says, Lord, said Philip, show us the Father, and, and that's enough for us. Now then, so Jesus responded to Philip. All right, The disciples 
always had a lot of questions. You can see their confusion throughout this entire period. And uh, Jesus said to him, Have I been among you all this time, and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? All right. I want to read one more. Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? So the Father and the Son are in sync. They are united. They are united. All right. Uh, after healing the, uh, the lame man, we looked at this earlier in our studies, and back in, in John 5, verse 19, uh, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. So they're together in their work. Okay? Jesus says that the Father is working through the Son. So the Son, Jesus, is not alone in, in, in this, in what he does. And furthermore, we go to verse 12. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. The one who believes in me will also do the works I do. So, we've said this a lot, many times. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about glorifying God. And, all right, and he, for he also says in verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. We talked about glorification last Sunday, as you will recall. And we talked about it. glorifying God is revealing, magnifying him, who he is, showing who he is. We say we give glory to God means we, we don't, of course, that's his essence. His glory is his essence. We can't add to that. But when we say we give glory to God, we give transfer the glory from ourselves to God. We give glory to God, then we say that meaning praise. We praise God as giving glory to, to God. And along these same lines, then we, we come to verse 15 of, of chapter 14, where Jesus says, If you love me... You will keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep my commands. What was the commandment that Jesus gave back in John 13, verse 34? You will remember that, don't you? It wasn't that long ago. All right, what was it? John, John 13. John 13, 34. I give you a, a, a new command. What was it? To love one another even as I have loved you. Love one another just as I have loved you. All right? You also to love one another. I have loved you. I have loved you. So that's the standard that he makes here. All right? And so, 
and, and, and so how did Jesus demonstrate just prior to this, how did he demonstrate his love for the disciples? He washed their feet. He washed their feet. I don't think I, I mentioned this when we looked at that, but you realize, of course, that Jesus washed the feet of Judas Iscariot, his betrayer. And so that's, that's a message for you and me, doesn't it? Not only do we wash one another's feet, but we wash the feet of, of others. So that was in an act of love that Jesus did that. Now, can you and I do such works and demonstrate that kind of love? That's the question for us. Well, it's a pretty tall order, isn't it? I don't think that it can be done on our own. I can't do it on my own, and you can't do it on your, your own. But there's no need to panic over this. They can, we can do it because God has given us a counselor, another counselor. And so we note here that Jesus is, is tying, ties verse 16, what he says in 16, uh, and following to verse 15 with this conjunction here. He says, and, and I will ask the Father, he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The, word is, the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him but you know do know him because he remains with you and will be in you i will not leave you as orphans i am coming to you in a little while the world will no longer see me but you will see me because i live you will live too on that day you will know that i am in the, my father you are in me and i am in you the one who has my command keep one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me and the one who loves me will be loved by my father i also will love him and will reveal myself to him and so verses 15 which is uh, if you love me you will keep my commandments keep my commands and verse uh, 21 act uh, where he says, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. All right? That's kind of like bookends, if you will, to the passage we were considering at the moment. So I go back to verse 16. Jesus uh, says he will ask the Father, and he will give. Now, there's no maybe here. Jesus will ask the Father, and the Father will give. And so the Father and the Son are together in this. They're united. Now we know the character of Jesus, since we know the character of the Father. One knows the purpose of the other, and they are separate, but they are together in this and so 
says, I, he will give, he will give another or counselor. Some, some translations say another advocate. And some uh, say another comforter. Some say another helper. Well, he says another here. And another means, uh, as we've studied in our, our materials, uh, another means of the same kind. All right? It's not somebody, something different. It's another, like Jesus. And so it's going to be another advocate or a comforter or a helper or a counselor. All right? It's going to be, it's going to be like Jesus. And so this person is going to be uh, be different but the same. This person is going to be an equal with the Father. He's going to be on equal footing as the Son. This word uh, counselor or advocate or comforter or healer uh, it is, it's in the Greek is uh, parakletos. Parakletos. Para means alongside. Kletos means called out. So there are two interpretations of this. Uh, one is uh, this one who is called out to be alongside of you. Or the other is one alongside of you calling out to you. And either one can fit here, of course. The first would be similar to an advocate that you might have, someone who would be guiding you. Uh, the other would be like uh, the coach of a football, um, I have to correct, say this on the American football team, uh, who would be uh, running down the sidelines alongside of his team's running back who's headed towards the, the goal line and one who would be screaming to this his player, you know, words of encouragement or shouting, go, go, go. And, and you've watched this and been there. You've seen this occur many times. In the book, uh, Healing the Masculine Soul, Gordon Dalby says, Paraclete was an ancient warrior's Term, and that's the term that's used here, really, Paraclete. But it was, uh, he says, Greek soldiers went into battle in pairs, so when the enemy attacked, they could draw together, back to back, covering each other's blind side. One's battle partner was the Paraclete, Paraclete the one alongside. And so in this sense, the counselor we're talking about is our, our battle partner who covers our, our blind side and fights for our well-being. Unfortunately, there's no English word that completely corresponds to the Greek. But in, in the Bible, its context then will give its meaning. Now, Jesus had been with the disciples uh, physically for somewhere in the neighborhood of three years at this point. Right. And so, but soon, 
he was going to be gone. His physical presence was not going to be with them. In contrast, as we read here, this uh, counselor's presence is going to be with them how long? Forever. Forever. All right. Jesus tells us more about this counselor in verse 17 that we read earlier. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. He's the spirit of truth. And we read just a few moments ago in John 14, 6, Jesus says, Jesus said this. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. The spirit of truth, therefore, is to proclaim the one who is the truth. And this, this spirit is going to communicate the truth. As we will see in a, in a few minutes when we get to verse 25, where he's called, the spirit is called. The Holy Spirit. Jesus goes on to say that the world, that is, the world unbelievers, cannot comprehend in any way the Holy Spirit. But he, the Spirit, will walk with the disciples corporately and indwell them individually. This would have been, in my opinion, a good place uh, in Jesus' talk for him to repeat the phrase, so don't let your heart be troubled. He didn't, but I, just, I would just inject that. That's what he's doing here. That's what, what all this is for. Because he, he goes on to say uh, in, in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. So he's saying here, uh, essentially, you, my disciples, will see me dead and buried. But in a little while, I am coming to you. Because, and because I live, you will live too. Former uh, seminary professor, Dr. Jerry Phillips, sees a threefold meaning in, in this verse. Uh, Number one, he says Jesus would come back to them in, in the resurrection. Uh, two, he would come back to them in his second coming. And three, he would come to them through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, all of those sort of fit. I think uh, the first one in the context is more reasonable. That's my opinion. At any rate, Jesus' resurrection would assure them that he was victorious over death and they would experience the same. So he's giving them assurance. He's telling them this. <coughs> so, now then, 
if we were to, uh, in, in verse, uh, how did I get to verse 25? That's not right. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. All right. Yes. On that day, verse 20. On, on that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. On that day, on that day, well, that obviously refers to what's right ahead, Jesus' resurrection. Uh, you will know that I am in my Father, uh, you are in me, and I am in you. So this is a three-way relationship, which, in, which includes you and me as his disciples. Uh, for Jesus further speaks of this and in that book in verse, we call it a while ago in verse 21, where, where he, he says, the one who has, has or grasps, comprehends, if you will, understands, all right, understands the one, uh, my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The depth of my love for Jesus is expressed how? By my obedience to what he commands. The power necessary to obey him then is found in the Holy Spirit. Not in me, not in you. The late uh, Dr. A.W. Tozer, and I know some of you have read uh, some of his materials, his books. He was an author and pastor, and he said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on, and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop. And everybody would know the difference. The presence of the Holy Spirit is, a, is essential. Is essential for you and me. Next we see that God has given us another teacher. Another teacher. Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Now the CSB uh, that I'm reading from here and, and is in our uh, study materials, the Christian Standard Bible has this as a how question. Lord, how is it going, how, how is it you're going to do this? The NIV has this as a why question. All right. Why, Lord? Why is, is it going to be like this? The original grammar is, is can be either, either one. Uh, we just don't know. But the point being, if, if Jesus is the Messiah, shouldn't he be publicly recognized? Uh, why would he appear to one group and not to the other? So I think this is a subtle reminder uh, to us that up to this point 
Jesus' disciples were still of the opinion, like most other Jews were, that the Messiah would save the Jewish people from oppression, just like David had done centuries before, and he would rule as, as king. So dissuading them of this false expectation would occur after Jesus' ascension back to heaven and the receiving by them of the Holy, Holy Spirit. So what separates us? What separates the disciples? What separates you and me as disciples of Jesus from, from the world? Jesus tells us, verse 23 and follow. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. And so what separates us from the world? Well, love for Jesus. And love for Jesus and love for the Father, for they were in accord in everything. Jesus says, my words have come from the Father. It's a common action then. This common action is demonstrated by keeping Jesus' words or commands. Uh, and if we don't keep them, you don't keep them, that's disobedience. It's to disobey the Father, God the Father. Continuing verse 25. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. All right. He will send in my name. Who he will send? Will teach you. Will teach you. Texas pastor Sean uh, Thomas remarks on this. He says, now let's be clear. This does not mean that we don't need teachers in the church. Ephesians 4 says, God gave apostles, prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers. So we see the gift of teaching. Teaching is also listed in Romans chapter 12. So teachers are a biblical thing, but it, it is God's Holy Spirit who is the ultimate teacher. And he will remind you, have you ever wondered uh, uh, something like, why did uh, a certain lesson or a certain scripture hang with you, stay with you? That ever have happened? You know? I don't know. For some reason to me, uh, Isaiah 6, the calling of Isaiah and his worship experience just stuck in stuck in my mind. It's there. I think it's provided by the Holy Spirit. And like you may have favorite verses that come to your mind. There are many. All right. Uh, but it's, I think it's significant to note that the Holy Spirit does not teach new things, things which would contradict Jesus' words, would contradict the scriptures. 
right? And he brings to, to mind uh, the words of the Father uh, and, and the Son. So, we need uh, the Word, we need the Holy Spirit uh, writing in uh, the periodical leadership. Don Lyon said this, he says, and I've, I've told you this before, but it just so fits here. If you have the Spirit without the Word, you blow up. If you have the Word without the Spirit, you'll dry up. If you have both the Word and the Spirit, then you will grow up. So represented in our scriptural text here this morning is the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God. One God and three distinct persons. And this is the one and only God of, of the Bible. Now, you want me to explain this to you? You'll wait a long time. <laughs> it, I, I, I still have difficulty with that. But these these three persons don't just represent God. These three persons, each individual, are God. And uh, in, along that line, let me hand out to you uh, and, and I copied this from some notes by uh, Sean Thomas. Let's see if I've got enough of, 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 of these around. If, if, if you're listening to this by recording, I'm giving out a, a diagram uh, somewhat that corresponds to these three persons of the Godhead. And so take a minute to do this. I want all of you to have this. I'm going to leave three here. Share if you don't have well, I think I've got enough. I think I've got enough. I went by last week's attendance. It was a bad thing to do, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway. So simply put, <coughs> the Father is not the Son, the Father is not the Holy Spirit, the Father is God. The Son is not the Father, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, the Son is God. The Holy Spirit is not the Father, is not the Son, the Holy Spirit is God. Just a reminder of the relationships here. God, we serve. God, we, we worship. And finally, God through Jesus has given us genuine peace. 
verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. All right. My peace. Genuine peace. Genuine peace. Uh, shalom peace. Which means wholeness. Uh, calm assurance of his, his presence through all of life. Jesus was uh, giving this kind of peace. The kind of peace that he had himself uh, and exhibited uh, in his life. So this differs from this differs from world peace, which is just a, a, a temporary cessation of, of conflict. Someone has said that uh, this kind of peace is not the absence of trouble, but is the presence of God. Continuing in verse 27, so don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. This is a repeat of John 14, 1. We saw in the last session. Don't let your heart be troubled. Jesus did not want these disciples to be afraid as the events take place in just the hours and the days ahead. Verse 28. You have heard me tell you I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I don't want you to be sad that I'm going away. I want you to believe me when I say I am coming to you. I want you to love me to the extent of, of rejoicing that I am returning to the Father. He is greater than I in the sense that he is the one who sent me. My coming to you was a mutual decision between us, between the Father and me, he says. And I've told you, verse 29, I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. I want you to remember, in other words, that I have not hidden these things from you. I've told you so that you can be prepared as they come to pass and that you may believe what I have said. <coughs> you may recall it's back in December. We read what Jesus said in chapter, in chapter 2, uh, in verse 19. Uh, Jesus, Jesus was saying this before some Jewish leaders. He says, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. Therefore, the Jews says, This temple took 46 years to build, and, I, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he ra was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the statement Jesus had made. And so that uh, reading was looking ahead uh, for quite a while. And I think Philippians 4, 6 is, is a great cross-reference here, uh, which says, tells us, be anxious for nothing, 
but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Justin Terrell is the senior pastor of the First Baptist Church uh, in Dandridge, Tennessee. And he sums up uh, today's uh, lesson passage uh, in a good way. That's so why I, I read what he, he says. When a person comes to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up permanent residence in his or her heart allowing God to live within them. The indwelling spirit would also allow the believer to sense God's presence, offer them counsel and wisdom, give them direction and discernment, open their eyes to the truth, protect them from the enemy, fill them with joy, encouragement, redirection, spiritual renewal, and lasting peace. Nothing in the world can give us peace like the Prince of Peace. And Jesus gives believers this peace through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So if you find yourself with an anxious heart today, call upon the Lord <coughs> to give you peace. There could be something uh, unhealthy in your life that's leading to anxiety or distress. So ask God to reveal it to you and give you grace to repent of it and allow His Holy Spirit to take care of you. All right. Would you like to add any words to our study of this passage today? When I was teaching, we talked about Bible verses. <clears throat> I used to keep, against the law, but I did it anyway. I kept a Bible verse posted on the back of one of the doors in my classroom, wherever it was. It was John 1, uh, not John, Joshua 1 of verse 9 where it talks about do not be afraid of anything because I'm paraphrasing I am always with you and I would always look at that and remember no matter what I was facing I didn't have to worry about it God was with me and I think about the teachers of today and what they're going through especially in the high schools and the middle schools and heaven help me I'm afraid it's going to get down to the elementary but I pray for them every day. Mm. But that that verse, and luckily every pair of pro I ever had was a Christian. <laughs> I'd been in trouble with them if somebody uh, had not been a Christian and saw what I did. And luckily I was teaching kindergarten and they hadn't learned to read yet. So <laughs> that was kind of good too. They knew how to read by the end of the year, but by then it was just a fixture in the room. Sure. But anyway. Well, thank you for sharing that, Elaine. 
let me just throw in one thing here. <clears throat> I think it's really interesting is that one of the threads of this lesson is that Jesus, not only is the spirit, the, the spirit of truth who teaches us all things, but Jesus indicating that the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me back in verse 21. And he says it again in um, verse, I think, 24. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. And then he, I think he says it again here. Oh, and back in verse 23. Yes. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So this kind of tying all of Jesus saying, which is so deep that we can't really do it justice, but the Spirit is teaching us what it means to live out Jesus' commands. If we live out Jesus' commands, we show that we truly are acting out that love. It's not just a feeling, but it is a life-changing relationship to walk with the Lord. And if we are carrying out his commands, that is when he offers to walk alongside us mm -hmm. and give us peace. So there's so much to this, but it all comes from walking with God and knowing that he watches over us as a father. We walk along, we serve the son, and we are guided by the Spirit. And everything we do, to go on with what Elaine was saying, is we have peace because He is with us. Yes. Thank you. It all gets back really to uh, an activity, an activity which is really love. Is really love. And that is something you do. All right. We've discussed this before. When you see love, sometimes you can just uh, insert with it, do good. All right, do good. So, but our love for God, our love for, for Jesus is our motivation then for uh, doing what he says. Let's pray together. Our Father, we ask you to dismiss us now with your blessings. May these words find uh, uh, be found in our hearts today as we leave this place. Uh, and may we give witness to, uh, to Jesus uh, and his saving work to all about us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.